Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, hello, good evening, welcome to a live edition of the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew, we are all the way live, and man, we are pumped up. We've got football games to talk about. We told you, no more Saturdays, no more dead Saturdays without football. Man, it was good to actually be at a game, see everything that goes, I mean, just the pageantry of football, whether you were watching it on TV whether you were in Columbus or Atlanta or with us in Jacksonville, man, we hope you had a great time. And if your team didn't play, get ready. I mean, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but uh, man, if you can do it safely, it's time to get out and start enjoying black college football, just football in general. Drew, how you doing, my man? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, my brother. Uh, Before we get started, I want to send a shout out to, uh, all those people down in South Louisiana, Southern Mississippi, and everybody who uh, is going to be affected by this currently Category 4 storm as it hit shore uh, earlier this afternoon. So uh, especially our, our brother Carlos Brown in Baton Rouge expected to get hard and anybody else in the path of this storm. Yeah, definitely. Hurricane Ida is uh, on land, um, and so having – uh, we we just pray that, uh, you know, anyone who might be in that path. And I was reading a report that uh, the, was it the New Orleans mayor uh, felt like they didn't have enough time to really adequately evacuate people because it moved so fast on them. Uh, so, you know, I, we, we just hope for everyone's safety. And then, of course, the, the hard part is going to be, you know, uh, once it starts to move, uh, up into the Mississippi and then the Tennessee region and wherever it goes from there. I think the models say it's supposed to head uh, up into the Ohio Valley area over into the East Coast towards the later latter part of the week. So um, everyone just be safe, you know, look out for each other. That's about the best we can do and, and ask for. Uh, as it relates to, you know, what kind of effect this might have, on teams uh obviously 
You know, a lot of campuses will be closed tomorrow, Tuesday even. Um, hopefully some of the campuses in that, what, South Louisiana, maybe even uh, Southern. Um, we got Southern directly affected. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, obviously Southern. I was, I was thinking Southern Mississippi is where I was thinking. Maybe even some spots of Alabama might even be affected. And those areas might even, those schools might even be, campuses might be shut down. So, uh, which obviously will take away from, you know, well, it's secondary, but, you know, we are, we were a sports show. We're kind of talking about it. So it'll take away from practice times from those schools that have to play. So uh, minor inconvenience uh, in the big picture of life, you know, you, you just want everyone to be safe. And then uh, I'm sure, uh, with everything everyone's had to deal with over the last year and a half, I, I think uh, we can manage. I think programs will find a way to manage and uh, deal with this just like they've dealt with everything else. Uh, I want to thank you for watching the show. If you're watching us, wherever you're watching us, on YouTube, if you're watching us on our website, mybcsn.net, if you're streaming us on Facebook or Twitter, make sure you are logged in to, uh, you know, like and subscribe wherever you're watching us, however you're consuming, make sure you stay a part of the Black College Sports Network. We've got plenty of shows throughout the week, all different kinds of uh, news, reviews, different angles. Uh, There's a host of shows. And so uh, we've got a full schedule this week as we move out of week zero and into what many called the first official week although i felt like last week and i can say last week was an official week we had games it's official yeah that's officially an l for somebody and that's officially (laughs) right right so So, i don't need to know how much more official we need to get yes exactly it officially counts as an l in the loss for those schools who lost games so definitely it, it counts don't let that marketing stuff by uh, the four-letter network fool you. Those games counted, uh, definitely. So we got a, a full show ahead of you today. We're going to have um, coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk with our good friend Charles Bishop as they get ready. He and Neely of the pregame show get ready to uh, hype you guys up and talk to you about the new upcoming series Coach Prime, that'll be on Barstool Sports. Uh, that So if you haven't seen that preview or the commercial for that, I'm sure Drew will be playing that, uh, if not coming into the next break at some point during our show, if you haven't seen it. I'm sure that'll be coming up, but uh, we'll talk to Charles about that. Now, also coming up later, Charles Edmond, the voice of Alcorn State Sports. He can tell us what the heck happened to Alcorn, uh, a lot of us took a big hit in the pockets. A lot of egos, a lot of egos were dashed. Uh, but the MEAC stayed strong, man. North Carolina Central uh, doing a lot of crow. What? I, what is that? Take the medicine. What is that? This is a, this is a medicine because it seems like Alcorn and the SWAC and the thermometer. Alcorn and the SWAC are allergic to the city of Atlanta. So they need to take some medicine next time they go to Atlanta, so they can they can perform better. Okay, I, I saw you. I saw you with that on Doc Show this morning. And I just laughed because I didn't know. I didn't know what the hell that was. Uh, <laughs> like, what is Drew got a thermometer? What is he doing? Yeah, that's a uh, three straight losses for Alcorn State. So we'll talk to Charles Edmond 
about that. And then in the second hour of the show, we got our good friend, uh, Chris Ferguson, coming in to talk to us as the CIAA. Uh, we'll get to uh, their slate of games. They've got a couple of teams playing on Thursday. And we'll talk to Chris. Of course, he covers the CIAA for D2Football.com. I know he's happy to actually be talking about football. Um, and so we'll get a chance to catch up with him about the upcoming season and just some of the games heading into week one. So, Drew, uh, score updates. Let's see. Uh, we had Kentucky State with a 20 to 6 win over Central State in the uh, Columbus. Look, I don't, I'm trying to make sure I say the name right of this classic because I think I've said it wrong on two different occasions. Uh, this was the classic for Columbus in Columbus, Ohio, played in the Horseshoe where Ohio State plays. Uh, another dominating win by. Kentucky State. Look, I don't know if I said I want to see a Kentucky State versus Savannah State matchup in the SIC championship, but I think I may start rooting for that. I know you can't do that, but I think I'm going to start rooting for that. Uh, Kentucky State thoroughly dominated Central State uh, for what's now the 15th of the last 16 meetings Kentucky State has won. Even when Kentucky State had a Bad season. The only time Kentucky State did not beat Central State, they went winless. So, I mean, that in an entire season. So, that just tells you, uh, even in the lean years for Kentucky State, they still find a way to beat Central State. And so, it's just been a, a bloodbath. And they've done it in all kinds of places, man. They've beaten Central State in Indianapolis. They beat them in – they beat them in uh, – they beat them in Wilberforce. They beat them in Frankfurt. Now they've beaten them in Col- – I mean, they're beating them all over the Midwest, man. I mean, Kentucky State <laughs> – I mean, where else do you want to go? Where else Central State, where else you want to go to get beat by Kentucky State? I know that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, I'm sorry to say that, but that's just kind of how it's been rolling lately. Uh, and of course, we had the game that we were at, Edward Waters University. Make sure you say it right now. Edward Waters University, what a 24 to 20 win over Florida Memorial University. Uh, a game that was slow in the first half. But thanks to a lightning delay, it sort of put a charge in the whole second half of game of that game. Uh, we had we had points in each quarter, every quarter, every half. Had an exciting fourth quarter. Uh, a lot to talk about there, and then of course the nightcap. I look, I look, let's just go ahead and call it like it is. Biggest surprise of the night for most people, except for the people in uh, North Carolina at North Carolina Central. And that was be that would be North Carolina Central's win over Alcorn State by a score of twenty four to thirteen, I believe is the final score on that one, right, Drew? Yeah, look, Brian, everybody in black media owes the people in Durham, Room, North Carolina, an apology. I did not hear one, but the funded. coaching staff, the coaching yeah. staff at Central. Central. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. We we all, you know, we all picked the now look, I, I I'm gonna tell you what, I honestly think that game should should be a great reminder for people. Look, neither team played for some six hundred days. Uh, Alcorn hadn't played in six hundred and sixteen days. I think I saw North Carolina Central hadn't played in six hundred and thirty something days. 
So neither team had played, but coming into that game, who's the, the, the team that everyone was talking about was who? Everyone was talking about Alcorn. And that should have been sort of a a, a tip off. If, if you if you are one of those people that uh, you know fades the public, so to speak, you know what I'm talking about. Um, that was a fade the public game because the public was heavy on Alcorn State, and that should have been a big tip off. That wait a minute, um, North Carolina Central didn't lose you know, their top running back. They didn't lose uh, a quarterback who was, uh, was, was, was pretty good uh, in, in spurts in 2019. Uh, They got a new coach and they've been with that coach for a whole year now. And everybody's talking and chirping about Alcorn, Alcorn this, Alcorn that. Polls have got them ranked anywhere from two to two to five, anywhere in the preseason polls, right? Yeah, that should have been a, that should have been a good, that should have been a good heads up for anyone out there. So be leery this weekend, week one, first rule of advice. If the public is rolling heavy on a team, just stop and ask yourself, why is nobody talking about that other team? And this is, this is college. You know, I I think this is college where sometimes coaches and players can really play that disrespect card. And it actually means something on game day. Yeah. And it, even though we only found one line on the game, but some of these other sites that used analysis without official betting sites had the game start off at six and a half for Alcorn. And then what, what did we say? It closed at 13 and a half, Brian? Uh, it may have closed at 15. I know it was about 15, uh, maybe about an hour or a half hour before kickoff. Right. So, and North Carolina A&T, Excuse me, North Carolina Central. There I go with the disrespect right there myself. Central did the uh, exact thing that they needed to do. They ran the ball, shortened the game, and created turnovers. Yeah. And they made Felix Harper throw the ball. Yeah, he, you know, and, and watching and going back and watching that game, he didn't, there were moments where he didn't look comfortable. And obviously, we'll talk to Charles, and that probably had a lot to do with some of the issues with their offensive line, but um, I was surprised that they went away from the run because I I think they discovered a second back at Alcorn. Uh, And so now I don't think it'll be just the Nico Duffy show. Uh, They they now have a second back that is going to be legitimate. And obviously you still have the offensive weapon with the quarterback and receivers, but um, you know, if, if the offensive line, I mean, there were just bad mistakes at, you know, at certain times and, and that's to be expected, but, but uh, the old cliche, the team that makes the fewest mistakes is the team that usually wins ball games. And well, that did not like- happen down at Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. You bring that up because yes, there were a lot of mistakes, but that game was a pretty even ball game. You know, I, I was looking at the stats earlier um, as we kind of flipped to that game. Both teams, in terms of total yardage, 329 to 325, Florida Memorial to Edward Waters. Uh, Edward Waters had the rushing with 213, Florida Memorial the passing at 206. 
Um, both teams, uh, let me see, there, there was a key stat or two that I was most uh, interested in as I was watching and looking at the team stats. Um, plays, total plays, uh, 60 for Edward Waters, 59 for uh, Florida Memorial. Yards per play, 5.6 to 5.4. You know, both teams fumbled three times and they lost two fumbles each. Florida Memorial had, I believe, one interception. Yeah, one interception and uh, Edward Waters had three. You know, both team, but one team had a had a punt return for a touchdown. The other team had a super <laughs> uh, asterisk asterisk by that one. What, what do you mean asterisk? <laughs> we another team had two uh, put returns uh, with two kickoff returns for a touchdown, but but some handkerchiefs kind of took that one away. Yeah, well, the you know the penalties. It's funny you mentioned the penalties. They they weren't too far apart from each other. Uh, one team had one team had eight penalties for uh, ninety eight yards. The other team had six for forty. So I mean, look, it was a it was a fairly even ball game that literally came down to the last possession, you know, and and the mo the momentum swings it w- was the difference, you know, when you made that fumble or when you made that mistake, yes. happened, you know, for Florida Memorial, uh, here they are with a thirteen point lead in the third quarter, and defensively they do a good job, I thought. Of slowing and forcing Edward Waters. Their defense played outstanding. Yeah, what no, killed it, them it, was their special teams. If if their special teams perform, they actually win that game going away. But they let the the quote unquote better team stay around long enough to get their confidence to get going. And the block punt at the end of the third quarter was the ultimate uh, special teams collapse, which led to. That second touchdown uh, for Edward Waters was that the first touchdown? Um, you're talking. You're talking about the um, at the end of the third quarter. Uh, yeah. Well, with about three fifty-two left to play, yeah, Florida Memorial's up thirteen nothing. Yeah, that. Yeah, that first, so that was the first touchdown, and it was, and it was it was game on from that point on. You're right. That that's where the momentum kicked in because at that point you're down 13, um, and and at that point Edward Waters picks up you know a touchdown, then comes back in the fourth with another drive that leads to a field goal, and then following a Florida Memorial fumble on on a beautiful hit by a defensive back on a on a running back, just perfect uh, helmet on the ball. Forced to fumble, Edward Waters marches right back down the field eight plays later and scores a touchdown. Um, that that you know all of a sudden the momentum had swung right there, and they had scored seventeen straight points to grab a seventeen thirteen lead, and that and that's your momentum swing you mentioned, and and also you mentioned special teams. Florida Memorial missed two field goals. You know you talk about those special teams that that hurt them. They missed those two field goals. And uh, but but look, hey, in the fourth quarter, we had three lead changes, you know. Um, yeah, three lead changes. We had Edward Waters taking that lead 17 13. Florida Memorial comes back and answers uh, nearly three minutes later with a beautiful 39 yard pass from 
uh, Antoine Williams to Calvin Clark to retake the lead. And then what does Edward Waters do? They come right back, six plays, 37 yards in about two minutes, 17 seconds, and scores a touchdown uh, with 16 seconds left, man. And uh, that place went crazy. That that place went crazy. And, and uh, that, that was a historic game that was played at Nathaniel Glover Community Field and Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, it, it should be noted, Drew, something that I was, I was hip to, um, you know, Edward Waters up there in that northern, I guess you could say the northern corner, northern east corner of Florida is now the only division or, uh, NCAA football program in that area. Matter of fact, they're the only one in Jacksonville. Correct. Jacksonville University ended their program in 2019. Uh, you also had, uh, well, North Florida doesn't have a program. So really, you know, f- with, with uh, Edward Waters moving from NAIA to Division Two, I mean, look, that's the NCAA program now. And that, that was a big day. That was a historic day. You know, I, I, I had the pleasure of meeting – uh, a photographer from that area, uh, Edward Waters grad. I mean, I could see the look in his eye when he said, I never thought I'd see this day. Uh, you and I know what used to be in that area where that game was. It was just a, a, a practice field, not much of anything. But uh, to, to see the pride in his face, um, all credit to, um, you know, A. Zachary Faison, uh, president, uh, Dr. A. Uh, Zachary Faison of uh, – Edward Waters, uh, Paul Bryant, the athletic director, um, Coach Toriano, Morgan, that entire staff, the athletic department, you know, our good friend Joshua Jackson and everything they do within athletics. I saw the athletic programs helping out. I mean, Edward Waters, congratulations. I mean, you guys, you guys did a great job and should be commended. And, and, and one other thing, uh, Tiger fans, be patient with them. Yes, there were first time on campus. There were a logistical item or two that I'm pretty sure they they figured out they were aware of. I don't care what kind of planning goes into a day like that. There's something that's going to come up that's going to be unexpected. They're going to get it right. Just get, just give just give them time. They don't play at home again until Lane, and I believe that is at the end of. September, I believe that's week three or week four when they next have Lane. So, hey, but it was an atmosphere. And just like any other HBCU, Brian, that seemed like there was more people outside than there were inside. And the stadium was pretty much at capacity. Yeah, I I didn't. You came in a little bit later than me, so I didn't get a chance to see what was going on outside. But uh, I, I know I know it's a good sign when you can look in the corners and you can see the young kids that had somehow propped up on cars or I don't know if they're on milk crates or whatever they were on, but they were looking over the fence at the game. You know, I almost wanted to, you know, tell those kids, Hey, you know, this gate over here is open, but I, I didn't want to do all that, but <laughs> you know, I, the excitement I can see. <laughs> the, the excitement, Let's go to break on that one, Brian. The excitement that you can see on those kids face when they looked over the fence and they were watching that game speaks to everything that was positive and great about that day. And uh, so, yeah, congrats to Edward Waters. And, no, even Florida Memorial, even though they lost a big 180 from where they were just 365 days ago. So, 
Uh, a lot to be happy about down at Florida Memorial, even though you lost that game. That's a young team still, and they're going in the right direction. So when we come back out of this break, our good friend Charles Bishop joins us, and we uh, talk about uh, the upcoming documentary series on his head coach, Coach Prime. Stay tuned. You're watching the BCSM Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Durley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at TSUSports.com slash LBC tickets. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to MyJBN.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Welcome back to the BCSS Sports Wrap. Joining us for this segment from the, that's two E's, the pregame show is none other than Charles Bishop. Charles, how you doing this evening? Uh, how you doing, AD? It's nice to be on with you guys today. Hey, got, got a big, exciting day coming up uh, for you guys there on the Jackson State campus. First of all, all prayers go out to everybody who is uh, – preparing and dealing with the uh, storm that's coming through the area. Oh, no doubt about it. I definitely want to send prayers out to the people uh, uh, in the path of the stormway. Please uh, do whatever you need to do to protect yourself, protect your property, protect your loved one. All right. But on, on the brighter side of things, tonight is the debut of Coach Prime, mm-hmm. a documentary about the first season there on campus for Coach Dion Prime Sanders. And we're going to take a quick look at the trailer for it. Then we're going to let you break it down for us, y'all. Mm-hmm. 
State fans, it is real. Deion Sanders is your new head coach of the football program. What I'm here for today is to understand what is the expectation that you have for yourself. What is the expectation that you have from the opening kickoff to the last second that ticks off the clock? Trust me, we're going to win a lot of games in due time. Extreme weather is creating a water crisis in Mississippi's largest city. When it's tough on everybody else, it's just right for Jackson State because we believe. The only difference from good and great is expectation. The only difference from great from best ever is expectation. What is the darn expectation that we have of ourselves? You can't play this game forever, man. It's the only sport that it takes courage to play. There's so many things that we deal with that has nothing to do with football. There's almost no survivors for you right now. No, we are looking to replace you as I speak. It's turn up time, baby. It's time to eat, babe. We can keep squeezing the lemon. Trying to get lemonade. We done squeezed that lemon so much, man, ain't no more in it. That's why I keep my foot on the gas. That's why I keep my foot on your throat. That's why I keep my hand around your neck. Because I'm crazy enough to believe in every one of y'all. That's my expectation. Now, what's yours? Our 21st head football coach, Dion Coach Rob. Now there's an expectation today that you win. Not only you win, you dominate. How you feel? And while you ponder that thought, give me my thing. All right, there it is. You just saw the uh, preview, uh, the uh, promo for uh coach prime in that documentary a three-part series is that right charles yes 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 indeed three-part three series so one of the things that come that i got out of that preview was the word expectation and i think i heard that about i was counting after about the third time i think i heard it about five times so you know for me as i as i listen to that preview and as i as i anticipate um this this uh series I'm expecting to sort of maybe get an understanding of the expectation, maybe, and I guess the expectation that was and the expectation maybe that wasn't. And now here's Dion coming in, bringing in this renewed expectation. I get, so, I mean, talk, talk if you would about the Jackson state football culture expectation. Well, as you well know, uh, the Jackson State football culture or the Jackson State expectation is, is one of, of, of high standards. Uh, we're talking about a program that's won 16 SWAG national championships, two uh, black college national championships. But uh, you're talking about a, a fan base that expects uh, this Jackson State football team to be right in the mix uh, with regards to winning the SWAG championship. And over the past few years, uh, that has fallen off since 2013 is the last time Jackson State uh, played in the SWAG championship. So when you take a look at uh, the expectations, uh, I think what you'll really see with regards to uh, this documentary is, is Coach Prime trying to rebuild a culture, rebuild uh, what the expectations are, because uh, I think there is a, a, a difference between a, a current Jackson State uh, a fan that hasn't seen uh, the standard and an older Jackson State fan that became accustomed to what the standard was. Do you do you get a sense, and, and maybe I don't know if it'll come out in this video, but if you think back to your interactions, do you get will we will we sort of get a behind the scenes look at what the secret sauce is for for Deion Sanders himself? I mean, besides being one of those people that were touched by God with this great 
athletic ability, there has to be something else behind that. Do you think we'll get a sense, or maybe you can tell us what is it that separates Dion from other in that one percent of great athletes, uh, you know, in this human population of ours? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy. It's two words: work ethic. Uh, you're talking about somebody who's a shark. He does not stop in his constant motion. And the and uh, the thing that uh, really jumps out for me is the way he is able to compartmentalize this, that, and the other and still keep the focus on the main thing. It is phenomenal to watch up close uh, with regards to uh, Coach Sanders. But I, I tell you, uh, his expectations, uh, his standard is unwavering in terms of where he wants to see this Jackson State program. And uh, he, he just has that sort of, that, like you said, that 1% of something. And it's no secret. It's work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, go ahead, Drew. So, so Charles, let's get to the real question. Mm-hmm. When we tune into Barstool Sports to watch this documentary, would the members of the pregame show be on screen at some point in time? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. We're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> we'll have to and, wait and see. But, but of so, course, uh, we, we were... have to wait and see because you're waiting to see, or you know the answer, you just don't want to tell us. Well, that's, that's called a tease. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think we've, we, we've had an opportunity to have unprecedented access uh, with regards to the Jackson State program. Uh, and when we take a look at where we started with regards to uh, this program in the spring and in just sort of covering uh, this Jackson State football program, uh, we've sort of seen that adversity uh, up close that a lot of uh, uh, the, the team dealt with this past spring. And we've seen uh, so much. So it'll be kind of fun and interesting to sit back and watch everything that happened this past spring, how it develops over these, how the how the narrative is told over the, the next uh, parts of the series. Now, when you think back to, to the spring, what was that one thing that you expected to see happen that did not happen or did not happen like you thought it would? And on the flip side, something that you were not expecting to happen that you saw that happened there when you think back on the uh, spring uh, season? Oh, uh, when I honestly uh, take a look at it, I think the initial success uh, Jackson State had in the spring kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. Uh, and again, you're talking about rebuilding a culture of dominance, rebuilding a, uh, an expectation of winning. Um, myself, growing up as a child in the 80s, uh, you, you can almost fall asleep at games because you expected wins. Uh, and, and that was what I, you know, kind of tended to, you know, to kind of, uh, that became the expectation. And that's kind of fallen off during this era of the SWAC championship era. Jackson State has only played in four SWAC championships again, four SWAC championship games, only won one. So it's the rebuilding of the culture. So uh, the initial success, there was a win over Edward Waters, there was a win over Grambling. And you thought you kind of, the, you know, you, you still saw some gaps there, but it was the gaps were covered up and and those gaps kind of uh came to light as they played more games into the spring again coach prime debuts uh tonight uh as we're recording this or sunday evening it's a three-part series barstool sports uh i'm assuming barstoolsports.com 
we'll be we'll be featuring uh all three episodes probably what maybe every one one a week or something of that yeah. nature yeah one a week mm-hmm. um are they what what's the time length on them an hour two hours what do we know on the time link i believe it is an hour yes okay it's an hour so um you you sort of answered my one of my questions of where i where i thought i was going to go um as it relates to uh, uh coach um but but I'm curious, you know, when I when I remember Coach Prime doing his other reality shows, his family was heavily involved in those shows. I mean, you got a chance. You remember seeing those shows, you know, they were on his ranch or his uh I don't know, I, I'm gonna call it a ranch in Texas somewhere. Um and you know, he had his grandma, he had the kids, um, a lot of a lot of family scenes, a lot of family life. Um, other than Shador, um uh, other than his uh, significant other at the beginning of the season, uh, we haven't seen much of uh, family. We haven't seen much family for Coach Prime. Do you think we'll see some of that, or will this sort of more be focused on how Coach Prime and a- as a coach, uh, maybe as a father to two players, interacts with other young men versus maybe getting into uh, shining or, or showing a little bit of family and what what that's been like. That's a good question. I think it'll be an interesting mix of, of both uh, in terms of just his interaction with all the players on the Jack State team. But, of course, he's going to have a special connection with Shador and Shiloh as well. So I think you'll get all of that uh, within the mix of this documentary, uh, watching them interact up close. Uh, it is, you know, a special bond between uh, father and sons. And, and it is unique to have both of his sons uh, playing for him uh, at this uh, HBCU. So uh, they are getting... Uh, this experience with him as well. So, you know, I, I think he said, made this point, uh, you know, it gets no more invested in that when you when your children are involved. Right, right. Now, now, now Charles, you're, you're there, you get the pulse of the campus. What has been, what was the reaction of the student athletes and some of the other people around the university as this documentary was being filmed? Were they conscious of it being filmed? And you know, you know, like I know, some people when their camera turn on, they're a totally different person than when <laughs> their camera is off. So do you think people were authentic while they were filming it? Or, you know, people doing trying to get their 15 seconds? <laughs> no, I, I think people uh, were, are obviously conscious of cameras being around this program uh, quite a bit more now. And you're going to have, you know, I guess, uh, a, a mix of the typical swag fan who is sort of old school, like, ah, that's too much. And then you will have a, a sort of this new generation, and they are so accustomed to having a phone in their hands and going live, being that uh, personal celebrity. So I don't think it's uh, too much to say that, uh, that uh, it's – uh, people are still being their authentic selves. I, I think we are, are sort of in that day and age now where uh, with the phone in your hand, everybody is a celebrity. So you're not so caught off guard with having a phone or uh, having a camera in front of you. Of all the guests that have, that have come in to interact with coach prime or come to Jackson or come to speak to his team. I'm, I'm asking you, Charles Bishop, which, which one of those, kind of caught you by maybe you were starstruck or you were like whoa I really got something or I took something away from that person that I didn't even think you know was like that oh I, I mean I'll, I'll say it like this I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan 
Uh, so uh, we've had an opportunity to talk to Troy Aikman. And I, I, I can't say I had that starstruck moment, but I did look over and was like, that's my quarterback. That's yeah. Troy Aikman. That's, yeah. that's my original QB1. So we had an opportunity to sit down and talk with Troy Aikman. Uh, actually, that first game with Edward Waters, we had an opportunity to talk with uh, uh, Nate Newton, who dropped some tremendous gems. Uh, you'll find it out there on the pregame show YouTube page. But Former I mean, uh, Rattler. Exactly. But I, I tell you what, uh, just being able to interact with guys that were part of that Dallas Cowboy dynasty, and uh, that, that was uh, phenomenal unto itself. I mean, there have been a lot of celebrities, but of course, you know, when you're talking to, you know, your quarterback from your team, that, that's, that's a little special. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I, I, I get, I get that sense. You know, when you talk to, to my, you know, QB one of my team, it's a, it's a whole different feel. Do the, do you think the, the, the kids, the players, do they gravitate to that or are those guys so far removed in age? I mean, are those like legends that they maybe didn't get a chance to watch, but their parents enjoyed? Or are they close enough that they still kind of are like, okay, my 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 ears are tuned in because that's somebody that is where I want to be. Well, you know, and, and this is the sad part of, of being a Dallas Cowboy fan. <laughs> Those championships were in the 90s and this is 2021. So I'm sure there's some disconnect there with today's student athlete. Uh, and it's funny, I've, I've been talking to a few coaches and they will tell you to a man that today's athlete uh, isn't so much tuned in with uh, football the way that me, we, a prior generation, might have been tuned in with football. So I think it's it's a it's sort of a fascinating socio thing to kind of take a look at. I've heard that I've heard that too from coaches. It's like it's like kids nowadays. It's like I, I've asked kids in another sport uh, for basketball, for example. I say, hey, do you watch so and so? Nah, coach, I really don't watch. I'm like, what? Right. But you want to go to the NBA, but you didn't, you didn't watch the games. But you watch some highlights on TV, but you didn't really watch the game, huh? That's because okay. it's not bad in that B button. Right. <laughs> it's a fascinating dynamic. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. All right. So, 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 Charles, as we get out of here, tell us uh, what, you, what you guys have going on after we get done with our sports rap episode. What do you guys have going on on the pregame show? Oh, well, we'll be getting ready to travel down to Miami. We will be, uh, as you know, uh, embedded with the program. We will be coming uh, to you each day with uh, reports uh, talking about what Jackson State has been doing in preparation for the Orange Blossom Classic uh, from Wednesday through uh, <laughs> to the pregame show. The, the main thing being the main thing, 90 minutes before kickoff, which is the pregame show. But we will talk all things Jackson State football, hoping we can give you a little bit of, of insight from a coach's perspective, from an athlete's perspective, and from a fan perspective. So we're really looking forward to uh, doing what we do down there in Miami. And I'm tonight, really, what are you guys going to be doing for us? I'm sorry, say that again, A.D.? And tonight, what are you guys going to be doing for us on the previous? Yeah, well, we'll have a, a live reaction shot to, uh, to the documentary Coach Prime. So uh, we're looking forward to, you know, just giving all our fans that, that insight into Jackson State's program. All right. Any final thoughts, Brian? No, no final thoughts. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be tuned in, listening to see uh, what takeaways Jackson State coaches took from Saturday night's games, you know, seeing teams uh, that haven't played in 600 days versus, you know, obviously the one advantage Jackson State has, they played. But then again, it's a new roster. So it's like what, what advantages, disadvantages were the takeaways from what they saw on Saturday 
is that something you can share with your guys and kind of say, hey, guys, be alert. Look at what happened to that team over there because of X, Y, and Z. You'll be well, you know, and that's very interesting, Brian, because I use a wrestling reference. Uh, they are Team X. They are Mr. Unknown. So, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what sort of Jackson State team you're going to see coming out uh, this upcoming Sunday against the Florida A&M Rattlers. That scares me. I'm not going to lie. That scares me. Now, after seeing <laughs> what I saw on Saturday, it scares me because, like you said, Team X and one team we've been talking about because you know all the characters. A lot of them are coming back from 2019. But then Jackson State has this group of really sort of unknowns. You've never seen them play together or interact together on the field. What's that going to be like? That's a dangerous situation for anyone who happens to be wearing orange and green. So just, you know. We, we can't wait. We can't wait. The countdown is on, Charles. Six, seven days away. Seven days away. It'll be a fascinating uh, watch to see how this Jackson State team gels and how they perform next Sunday night. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, congratulations to uh, uh, the Jackson State family. You know, congratulations to everybody. You guys, uh, well, I, look, I'm one of uh, Deion Sanders. I'm a big fan, you know, so uh, I'll be tuned in watching Coach Prime and uh, enjoying every minute of it. Sure thing, man. I mean, and thank you guys for bringing me on. Really appreciate it. All we right. appreciate you, Charles. Uh, uh, for Charles Bishop from the pregame show and for his partner, Dealey. Make sure you tune in tonight, and we'll be right back at, after this break. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBBA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the band as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PBAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. 
Let's bring the Nick Sterling Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information.
Are we technical live? difficulties on the producer's part. <laughs> Are we live? I don't know. <laughs> Are we? We were live. We just uh got to push the audio button uh there from the uh, production <laughs> side. So we're gonna resummarize everything. I wish y'all would have heard the conversations that we were having. You can see our <laughs> lips move, but uh no audio going out and uh Thanks. Uh, I guess Carlos still has power because he's watching uh, down there in Baton Rouge, and he's the one who shot me a text like, "Hey, no audio." It happens. Oh wow! Good Thank you, Carlos. Good teammate. Way to be a good teammate, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's start over. You uh, oh, open that uh, open that segment back up for us, Brian. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> Charles, go back to Charles talking about the the uh, we what we'll, we'll just come back to the point that he was making about about some places are just a a city of a city of horrors and, and that for for Alcorn right now Atlanta has been sort of uh, that city and and so I, I'll let Charles kind of kind of go from there in terms of what is it I don't is this a circumstance uh, just playing a Miac opponent. Is it Atlanta? We were we were joking about that yesterday or this morning. You know, is it Atlanta? What's going? I mean, what's bad in Atlanta that uh, all <laughs> right now when they travel to uh, the ATL? Well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, Atlanta is a city of horrors as far as all corn football is concerned. Whether it's the Celebration Bowl and or the Swag Miac Challenge. We just can't seem to get it done. And it seems to happen in the same fashion. You know, again, special teams hurt us. It hurt us in the last couple of Celebration Bowls. It hurt us in the Swag Miac Challenge, whether it was a punt return or kickoff return. Um, and and this and it was the case again um, in the uh, in the Miac Swag Challenge. Um, we, just, we just don't play a complete football game. You know, we started out so well. We scored on our first drive. Second drive, we move the ball down the field and miss a field goal. Then we start turning it over. We had three fumbles. Felix Harper loses one. Um, and so we had chances, you know, to, to put Central on their heels, and we didn't do it. And then they just got confidence. They were able to run the football. They had four different backs get it done. Their quarterback, who, you know, if you look at the analytics, if you look at the numbers, he had three rushing touchdowns. Uh, Richard had three rushing touchdowns in 2019. So you had to account for him. In their first two rushing touchdowns, he scored those. The stats definitely backed that up. So, I mean, the Braves had their chances early, just could not get it done. And you have to credit North Carolina Central. You know, was it the case of Central winning it or the Braves losing it? I think it's a combination of both. And, you know, the big question that's being talked about on social media, and I brought it up during the broadcast, was this all-corn performance a byproduct of not playing in 600 and some odd days? Uh, you know, and that's going to be talked about probably the next couple of weeks. Rest, rust, whatever you want to call it. But you got to give Central credit. They hung in. They made plays. But we made way too many mistakes in all three phases. We lost our starting center. You know, one of the big plays, turning points in the game in the third quarter. Uh, we got our backup center in, snapped it over Felix Harper's head. That put us way behind the chains. That seemed to flip momentum. And we could never seem to get it back from that moment on. Yeah, that was a key point when that happened because I think it was a 16-13 game. And you were trying to answer, you know, had just scored a touchdown to take the lead. Central kicked the field goal. You're trying to come back and answer. And then that happens. 
and then so you combine that with the punt, which happens what two plays later, and it's like, oh, you know, um, I'm curious, you know, and I and I, and I hope, you know, let's be real, no one from Alcorn should be using the excuse about the time because technically Central had a longer period since they played. I mean, it was six thirty six uh, since Central played. And it was six sixteen for uh, Alcorn. So I, I'm curious, Charles. Given what the running game did with you know with Richard uh, from the quarterback position, but more importantly, you know from the running backs, were were, were was Alcorn aware? I mean, I mean, I hate to put it like that, but were they prepared for a running quarterback when? the plays broke down or were they prepared for Richard to do what he did in those uh, situations where he got loose on, on the defense? I, I think we did a good job with him, you know, early on in terms of keeping them in the pocket. I think once the momentum changed and once they had a short field to work with, you know, when you get inside the 10, inside the five, you know, you knew he was, and I, I even called it, you know, during the broadcast, you know, you got to watch Richard. You know, he's, he's probably going to try to punch this one in, and he did. So I, I think if you look at the film from two years ago, I'm sure the Braves did that, that they, they knew. I mean, he had three rushing touchdowns in 2019. So I'm sure they were aware of, you know, how you've got to account for him out there. Um, I, I, just, I just think the Braves just couldn't quite execute and squeeze him enough to, to keep him from doing what he did. And then when, when you can run the football, I mean, football is a beautiful game when, you know, quarterback's best friend is a running game. Yep. And when you got a quarterback that can run the football like Richard, then you got Totten that can run the football. Uh, you know, you had, you know, Jordan Freeman had 72 yards. Richard had 64 yards and two touchdowns. Totten had 60 yards. I mean, they had 207 yards running the football. I never thought that would happen. Never. I mean, just looking at the numbers, just the numbers would indicate that 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 wasn't possible, but it did. And when you when you could run the football, that opens up so many other opportunities. And then, of course, Richard, 16 of 25, 184 throwing the football, is able to spray the ball around. I mean, they were able to pretty much get what they wanted. And we didn't get to Richard at all, whereas Felix Harper was sacked three times and they brought pressure from street. I thought that played a huge factor in the game as well. All right, Charles. For some reason, it seems like Alcorn and the SWAC are allergic to the city of Atlanta. They do not perform well in Atlanta. They do not perform well against the, the BAC team. Now, the BAC is supposed to be the basketball conference. And the SWAC supposed to be the football conference. Why is the basketball conference dominating the football conference in football? <laughs> <laughs> SWAC fans like, we hate you, Drew. We hate you, Drew, for that question. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this, this, this is my opinion. I think that when you look at the SWAC MEAC in football and you look at the coverage – and you just look at what's out there. When the swag meac matchup happens, and even in the regular season, not necessarily the SWAC-MEAC challenge or celebration bowl, 
if you just step back, I think you can safely say that SWAC teams get a lot more coverage than NEAC teams. You know, the, all these different websites and all these different newspapers that are covering the SWAC, you know, wall-to-wall coverage. Whereas in the MEAC, you don't have, to me, and I'm on the SWAC side of the fence, you don't have as much of, you don't have as much of that. So therefore, I think, in my opinion, might be wrong about this, but I think there's a chip on the shoulders of a lot of these MEAC teams like, why are these SWAC teams getting all the coverage and we're not? Okay, well, if that's the case, we're just going to show them. And I think we've seen that from North Carolina A&T. We saw it with North Carolina Central. Uh, so I, I think when in football, when these matchups occur, there's a lot of synergy on the MEAC side because all the attention, just like this game, was on the SWAC, the SWAC team involved, Alcorn. Alcorn got all the attention. Good Morning America piece, College Game Day. Uh, I mean, just all over the place. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a gambling man, but if you look at the different gambling sites, Alcorn was anywhere from a 14 or 17-point favorite in this game. So no one gave Central a chance. I mean, I know I don't know how many people pay attention to that, but, you know, Alcorn was the prohibitive favorite to win this game. And to have this happen, um, I, I think it, it, it shows that the MEAC can get it done, especially in the big games. I think, what, 12-4 uh, and four in the Swag MEAC Challenge and what they've done in the Celebration Bowl, I think they're proving that, hey, despite all the chatter and all the talk and all the publicity, look at the records. Look at what's happened in the Swag MEAC and look at what's happened in the Celebration Bowl. Records speak for themselves. Um, the, the one positive that I will bring up uh, for Alcorn State was uh, I think you guys now have a – you established there is no longer going to be a one-back backfield. Um, I, I don't think you can look back there and just think solely about Nico Duffy. Uh, Stadford Anderson had a big game. I, I thought he uh, – what, 100, 105 yards on seven carries in the first half. And I think in the game finished with 129 and a touchdown. Uh, Duffy had 63 yards. Did did so? I mean, I, I would ask you, Charles. You know, is that the big positive takeaway with the fact that Anderson you is now established uh, as a a good primary, might be a good one A one B kind of back with Duffy? And did they did they go away from? Did did you not rely on the running game enough in that second half? What's your thoughts there? Uh, yeah, um, the answer to your, your first question, yes. I think Anderson, you know, was clearly, I mean, he's a Northwestern State transfer, so he's going to be playing his old team in a couple of weeks. 128 yards. He had the 68-yard run on the second drive, which set up a score. We missed the field goal there. But clearly, Anderson, we were feeding him. Nico Duffy, you know, it's, it's a change of pace, really. You know, Stafford Anderson is that bruising back, and Nico Duffy can get you in space. So, you know, you, you've got that fire and ice type of thing going. Um, and, you know, we ran for 189. But, you know, I, I think we, we made an effort to try to run the football. Our offensive coordinator, Elliot Radden, he said, we're going to run that football. And I think the Braves tried to do that. But I think as time went on, just, it, just wasn't, it just wasn't there as, uh, as visibly as it was in the first part of the game. And, you, you know, whether – we didn't, we didn't pound it enough or whether Central just kind of collapsed everything. Could be a combination of both. But clearly, you know, we have to be able to run the football consistently to make Felix Harper's job a lot easier. 27 passing attempts 
well, that may be a little bit much for Felix Harper. I mean, we were behind, so you had to do that. You had to try to stretch the field. You know, and I thought we had a pretty good game running the football, but the yards were hard to come by, I think, after that second drive. That first drive, that second drive, we were able to do, get some stuff done running the football, but after that, it was tough sledding. Yeah. All right, as we, uh, as we get ready to wrap up this segment, Charles, I need you to look ahead to someone else in the, in the swag. This Thursday, Valley – uh, travels to Murray State. What, what what should we expect in in that particular game, Charles? And uh, you know, we gonna bring you on. We gonna put you in the hot seat. Give us a prediction on the game. You know, I, I really like Coach Dancy and the job that he's done there at Valley. Um, and you know, he's he's taken what's given and presented and trying to make it work. You know, against Jackson State when they played last year, they were in the red zone four times, couldn't score. I think he's got something going there. He's just got to continue to build on it. You know, that's going to be a tough one. You know, Murray State is a pretty good FCS team. And, you know, going there, playing them up there, it's going to be tough. I I think for Valley, what I can remember from two years ago, Valley just had a hard time keeping a quarterback healthy. You know, they had like four or five quarterbacks and none of them were healthy. And And if you don't have a healthy quarterback, you don't have a chance. So I think, you know, for Valley, they've got a couple of guys that I think that can sling it a little bit. They can run the football, slow the game down. I think they have a chance, but it's going to be tough. I mean, Murray State's a quality FCS opponent. I think Valley's building this thing block by block, but it's going to be a tough challenge. I think it's going to be tough to, to, to go to Murray, Kentucky, and get it done. Yeah, um, Murray State is a predicted to win the Ohio Valley Conference um five and two in the spring had a new coach uh dean hood who came in to that program in the spring and seems to have turned that program around a nice 180 and they're uh, almost a 20 point favorite based on the numbers that i'm looking at against valley so uh i'm looking forward to it uh drew's drew's uh drew's favorite team in the in the swag to upset people and and shock shock the uh shock Today- the system Thursday would not be the day for one of those upsets, though. <laughs> well, I, 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 I will say this, though. I, I, I will add this, and I think we need to probably have another conversation about this. You know, we always talk about the SWAC versus the SWAC, SWAC versus the MEAC, but we got to remember something. The SWAC and the MEAC are what? They are members of the FCS, the Football Championship Subdivision. Right. What you're going to see this year is there are more of those matchups like Valley in Murray State, Alcorn's playing another FCS opponent in two weeks, Northwestern State. You know, we need to have a conversation. I know fans don't want to talk about it, and that's fine, but we are a member of the football championship subdivision, and we're trying to get into the playoffs, which, you know, a lot of people don't believe in it. But I think I think we need to have conversations about playing some of those teams and winning some of those games to really add more credibility to what we have as a conference. We need to play some of those teams, and we need to win some of those games. And, hey, if Valley can go to Murray, Kentucky and win, that would be one of the biggest wins that they've ever had. You know, if Alcorn can beat, you know, Northwestern State at home, that will be a huge win for the Braves and bouncing back. But it's a huge win for the SWAC, too, playing in and playing another, F, you know, another FCS opponent and a quality opponent at that. That's another conversation we need to have. I know fans don't believe in it. We believe in the SWAC and the rivalry and the MEAC and all that. But I would like to see – and Alcorn was – a part of two F- FCS playoffs. It was one double A back in the day. I was a part of that. Youngstown State, Louisiana, Monroe. 
And I would like to see more of that. And I know some fans would like to see that as well. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how we do against uh, against other FCS teams, albeit at home or off the road. Yeah, no, I agree 100% because that conversation is part of that that bigger macro conversation. We start talking about uh, our conferences, our teams being recognized in national polls, our players being recognized by national media and scouts. Well, guess what? Yeah. It comes in these games against other FCS teams. And when you're constantly not covering the spread, not winning games, I, I mean, it just what the perception, their perception of us ends up being less than. And so we, we you know, we may have a certain feeling, but at the same time, we, we, we want to see our teams win. So we, we need our teams to win. So we need Valley to, to look like that team that, that Drew thinks they can be. And, you know, we, we need them to uh, perform well uh, out there in uh, Kentucky. So, uh, you know, we'll be looking forward to it. So, Charles, you uh, you be safe out there, man. Uh, I, you know, I don't know where uh, Hurricane Ida is or, you know, where how it'll be riding up the uh, northern uh, Mississippi state to you. But uh, whatever comes, man, be safe up there, all right? I, we, we sure will. I appreciate it. And uh, we've had a couple of bands of rain, but trust me, the, the worst of this thing is yet to come in the next 12 to 18 hours. I, we appreciate it. Right, right. All right. Well, you guys be safe. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. And uh, we look forward to Alcorn uh, taking the week off. Uh, they'll get a chance to kind of lick their wounds and, and regroup and be ready to uh, take on Northwestern State in uh, two weeks. So we'll be looking forward to that. All right, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, probably get to, uh, I don't know, maybe a short segment or we'll get to another guest when we come up. Just stay tuned to find out more. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready, because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. The inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice. The first class of black fighter pilots who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, 
is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, join others who champion their legacy and how they influence generations of black cultural and political leaders. All right, welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, appreciate you uh, tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever it is that you are watching our show. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at MyBCSN1, the number one. And of course, if you have not downloaded the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, go to your Google or Apple Play Store. Search my JBN or my BCSN, and that's where you can download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Uh, the Black College Sports Network is a part of the Jericho Broadcast Network family. And not only will you get updates on all of the shows that uh, that are part of the Black College Sports Network, but there's some other goodies in there as well. So uh, when you go to like and subscribe, make sure you look for that. If you're new, make sure you look for that uh, that launch point that asks you, how did you hear about this app? Make sure you check the BCSN Sports Wrap. You know, we get we get a few extra credits for uh for doing that and uh want to also encourage you make sure you're tuning into the bcsn pod zone the the premier place to listen to a variety of shows hbcu content on blast i mean all kinds of stuff almost a new show updated daily so plenty of opportunities for you to catch up before and in between shows for those of you who like to uh you know, on those long rides, those long two-hour rides or hour-and-a-half rides to work or wherever you're going, you can just pump on, uh, just put in a couple of shows, Spotify, you know, whatever, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go, uh, that's where we are. You can find us. So we appreciate you uh, uh, tuning in and finding us wherever we are. Uh, all right, Drew. Let's take one last, well, let's do this. We can do one of two things. Either take a quick little look back uh, at the Classic for Columbus, the Big Cat Classic that was in Jacksonville, or we can kind of start to look ahead here on Thursday because, as you mentioned, you know, not only do we have Mississippi Valley State playing on Thursday, but uh, we've got three, four, five other schools, five other HBCUs playing on Thursday uh, all of them division two and so we can start to take a look ahead uh what do you what do you want to do let's let's look ahead brian I, i'd much rather look ahead we, everybody saw what has happened in those games uh that that occurred over the weekend so let's let's take a look forward all right so looking ahead here um as it as it relates to uh football we've got Thursday, 7 o'clock, we've got Lincoln, Missouri. That's the Lincoln Blue Tigers. 
taking on Washburn. They're actually hosting Washburn, a Division II matchup. Um, and so that's a home game for Lincoln. Lincoln played in the spring, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they attempted to, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, they played a game or two in the uh, spring. I know they went down and, uh, as we say, got a check for a game uh, this spring. I think they played two games and went 0-2 back during the spring. Right. So uh, the, the last time those two, these two schools played was 2019. Washburn uh, won that contest 49-27. to But, uh, you know, let's – you know, the, the key thing I think that we're looking for as it relates to Lincoln is junior running back Hosea Franklin. That's the name to keep an ear out for. Uh, his sophomore season was 2019. He's only 5'7", from Memphis, Tennessee, 190 pounds. He ran for 1,359 yards on 226 carries for the MIAA conference or in the MIAA conference, which he led, uh, broke Lincoln records for single season rushing yards and carries, uh, was a uh, all super regional first team selection, all conference running back, uh, fourth in the conference in all purpose yards, 132.5, started all 11 games. Now, the one thing that sort of he didn't do. He didn't get into. T- he didn't get in the end zone a whole heck of a lot. He only scored five touchdowns, but still, you know, he was one of the top ten rushers or rushing in terms of total yards and yards per game. So it's you know we had a year off. He had a year off. Uh, we're hoping that sort of rejuvenated the legs, and I'm looking forward to seeing Hosea Franklin. I mean, that's a name that uh, just sort of I think what was about mid season back in 29. If you can think back that far, Drew where his name started kind of popping up on our radar. Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, I believe he was one of the top rushers in Division Two, if I remember correctly, uh, especially when you look at yards per game. I don't. I think somebody, uh, there were a few players who beat him overall, but his yards per game were just tremendous. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, who else do they have besides Franklin? That's the question that the Blue Tiger fans want to know. Yeah, that well, that that'll all come out in the wash, I guess. But uh, so they're they're uh, Massey Massey ratings has uh, uh, you know they they sort of favor Washburn by seven and a half in that contest. So again, like I said, two years ago, twenty forty nine twenty seven was the score. So we'll see uh, what what happens. And it's all you know. Look, none of these teams played a year ago. So all of them have been sitting off two years. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, I throw all those numbers out of the book personally, but you know, I, I will see what happens. You saw that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust, don't trust any of these numbers out here that you see folks. Uh, It's a tough time, tough time. Another game that'll be taking place on Thursday, Albany state will be traveling to Mississippi college, Albany state, of course, of the SIC, the golden Rams, looking to uh, get back to their winning ways. Uh, Let's see. Mississippi College, a team that they lost to 24-17 back in 2019. Uh, That game also was at Mississippi College. uh, Excuse me, 24-17 was the final score. Albany State had a 10-0 lead at the half before giving up 14 points 
in the third quarter. And uh, so that game ended up being a lot closer in the end, but uh, still counts as a loss. So now they get a return trip as they go back out to uh, Mississippi College. Uh, Massey Ratings thinks Mississippi College is about 14 and a half points better than Albany State uh, with an over of about 50 and a half. So that game is Thursday at seven o'clock. Any any thoughts there on Mississippi or excuse me, Albany State, who opens their season against Mississippi College? Then they uh, have a home game against Shorter University, and then they travel over to Valdosta before they get into the SIC schedule. Yeah, Albany State, arguably top two in the SIAC East. I do not believe this is a regional game as far as some of the other matchups that we have talked about for for week one, uh, such as Valdosta State and uh, Savannah State, which, is, which we know is a regional game. But this, once again, will go a long way in helping the SIAC out with their conference rating so that the SIAC could possibly get a second team into the Division II playoffs. And keep something in mind, everybody. Division II does not go with automatic bids. They have preferred qualifiers, which means even if you're a conference champion, but your ranking is not high enough, you will not get into the tournament. See Kentucky State back in, I believe that was 2016. All right. Uh, and one other division, well, actually, this isn't a division two. This is actually more NAIA as Texas College, the Texas College Steers, uh, who will be uh, coached by Greg Ellis, uh, kicking off their season. And they'll travel to Canyon, Texas to take on West Texas A&M University Buffaloes. And that's a 730 kick although it may be eight uh not really sure what the information is i've seen two different times one on the uh, texas college site and one from uh, massey um massey thinks west texas a&m is by far a superior ball club by about 41 points my gosh um now that could be a case of you just don't know what texas college has <laughs> so does anybody know what texas college has Right, right. So, if, <laughs> you know, you, you, you I, and again, these teams have not played in, in over a year. So, you know, go for it. And figure. in NAIA, where the rules are a lot more liberal as far as how you recruit and when you when you can recruit, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Texas College throws out there on the field. It, yeah. it throws out there may not be the proper term, but... <laughs> Yeah, they're they're part of the Sooner Athletic Conference, which also is the conference that Langston University is in. So there are two HBCU programs in that Sooner Athletic Conference. Uh, Matter of fact, after this West Texas A&M game, uh, Texas College plays Langston on September 11th. So that'll be uh, a matchup of two HBCUs in the Sooner Conference. Uh, So those are three games. Uh, We got a few more games coming up let's take a short break and then we come back uh i think we've got our guests so we probably have uh, our guest chris ferguson who'll be joining us 
from D2Football.com to talk to us about the CIAA. And so uh, we look forward to catching up with Chris. You're watching the BCSN Sports Show app with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. Both of my great-grandfathers have been a part of that study. My roots in environmental health come from my great-grandfathers. They were sharecroppers, and then later they were able to own land for their family for generations to come. My ancestors' connection to the land has given me a strong care for our environment and how that environment influences human health. I am a fierce advocate for equitable treatment for all. The ways in which COVID-19 ravaged Black communities show that we have underlying vulnerabilities when something like a pandemic hits. The path from tragedy to triumph travels along the path of learning. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBVA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the bands as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Knicks Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, and joining us, the beard's looking lovely. It's been a while since we've seen him. My man, Chris Ferguson from D2Football.com. Chris, man, we are, you know, glad to hear that you are safe, uh, that you're able to kind of get away from uh, Hurricane Ida. And, uh, man, just tell us how you're doing right now. Doing pretty good. Uh, it's been an incredible year trying to uh, get a lot of things done, graduate school, working full time. Uh, I've been trying to keep track with the CIAA. There are a lot of changes that have happened. Um, so I've had like a notepad, scribbled everything everywhere <laughs> that I get my hands on. Um, and it's it's been it's been crazy. But, you know, uh, to be blessed to say that I'm blessed is an understatement. True, true. What What's the what's the toughest thing with with uh, as you as you're going through your notes, trying to catch up and, and see what's new and what's happened? What what's what do you what's your take on what's one of the toughest things facing the CIAA and facing CIAA teams this upcoming year? Well, I think the biggest thing overall is there's just so many unknowns with staff, with uh, with players, with staff. 
you know, who's going to do, who's going to be able to step up and step into these roles that a lot of folks who either transferred out uh, or graduated uh, is, is a real question. I think teams, you're going to see teams are going to be a lot younger, uh, which means that there's going to be a lot of things to figure out on both sides of the ball and on special teams. And that tends to lead to a lot of mistakes, turnovers, penalties, um, all of which will have to be sorted out uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, Bowie, the one thing that hasn't changed is uh, it seems like everybody's love for Bowie State. Um, we we left in 2019, and they were, uh, you know, black college national champions in the under D1s and the small division, however, whoever. I mean, obviously, we had an under division one uh, poll, uh, rankings, rather, and other people had – small school, however you want to call them, but uh, they, major. They were mid-major. I mean, they, they were cream of the crop. I mean, obviously, 11-game win streak uh, in the regular season, of course, uh, disappointing start to the playoffs, but uh, they, they've come back, you know, pretty much undisputed in a lot of polls, ranked, I think, 18th in Division Two. Uh, well, what's your take on Bowie State, and should we be cautious? After what we saw Last night in Atlanta with Alcorn State, should we be cautious about our high praise and our our thoughts about Bowie State going into this season? So, I mean, you know, last night was really incredible. I mean, what Central was trying to rebuild and they kind of had an opportunity to get some guys in to kind of help with the process and and a year to to uh, to to get a system under their belt. So. You know, it, the comparison between Alcorn and and uh, Bowie is, is a really interesting one. But, you know, listen, the, the, the CIAA uh, is, is a pretty consistent league. There's always one team that kind of surprises us. But um, with the amount of uh, returning um, players, uh, history will suggest that, um, that they're going to be right there um, at the top of the pack. Um, there, there's just no question about that, I think. Uh, absent, you know, a major injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Chris, when you look at these preseason polls for CIAA, obviously Bowie's on top, like Brian has just said, followed by Virginia State, Virginia Union. Shawan has even snuck up ahead of Union in, in some polls. But we, but we go to the South. Seems like there's no respect for the South. Fayetteville, we we know what they have done or have not done in the CIAA championship game. Yeah, Other right. teams, not named Winston Salem, have gone to the championship game and not have not performed, for lack of a better word. So, what can we expect out of the South, and shall the South rise again when it comes to the CIAA? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, there is so much strength in the North right now. Um, you know, you've got Fayetteville State that needs to replace a quarterback. Their quarterback from, from 2019 transferred. Uh, and you got Stevie Green, who's now gone. His, his, ex- his eligibility was done. Um, so they have some questions on offense. Um, actually, I'd probably say that my favorite to, to, to come out of the South is Shaw, um, because Shaw – has a lot of returning uh, individuals on um, offense. Uh, when you talk about, um, 
um, Torin Campbell at quarterback, uh, uh, Sydney at, at, at running back. Uh, you know, wide receivers have been a, a little bit of a question mark. Um, but then you've got uh, Devin Hunt coming back from injury uh, and, and a number of other guys on defense. Uh, they got all the right pieces to challenge and push Fable State this year. Uh, and, and that's really my favorite. I think Winston's got some transfers, but but that may help them out. And then the rest of the South is kind of fighting for the basement. I think after that, it's just too many changes and not enough depth uh, there. Uh, but but make no mistake, I think the problem is it's just um, the, the the North has 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 a lot of really solid coaches. They got systems in place that have been there for some time. Um, Bowie's loaded. Virginia State has a strong running game. Uh, managed to keep much of their staff intact. Uh, you've got uh, 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 Joe Wan has got too many questions in my opinion. I think they're a little too high as much as I, I, I like to follow them, and, and I think their offense can be fun to watch. Uh, and Virginia Union, you know, they don't have Tobias anymore, Tobias Taylor. Uh, and, and so I think that kind of knocks them down and makes them a bit vulnerable. And they also lost uh, Sterling Hammond on defense. So, you know, I, I think that if you look at the two divisions overall, there's still so much strength. You know, Chowan will be probably top of the South, uh, uh, a close to top of the South. Uh, certainly not. It's certainly top three, I think, uh, and, and that just speaks to. And they're probably the fourth best school uh, in the CIAA North. I mean, that's just how much strength you have um, in, in, in between the two divisions. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was looking at the schedule as I'm pulling up my grid here of the upcoming schedule, and uh, we we got to talk about this week one. Well, I know we're going to talk about in a second, we're going to talk about the games for Thursday, but let's kind of look ahead. How big of a game is this Bowie at Delaware State game to open up the season? I mean, mean, what we we know Delaware's got a lot of uh, freshmen. I think when I looked at their roster, they got about 40 freshmen. But I'll be honest, I didn't think Delaware State looked bad when I saw them in the spring. You know, I, I, I think Coach Milstead is really doing some positive things with that program. So what kind of challenges or where is this game put for Bowie State? W- what's your thoughts on this game for them? I think Bowie State is actually a slight favorite in this game. Sure. And I think – and I would say because, again, you got so many returning pieces. But Bowie State – the strength of Bowie State is that they their defense keeps them in games. You know, you got a lot of, uh, you know, Dimitri Morsell uh, in in the secondary, the CIAA Defensive Player of the Year 2019. You've got uh, Joshua Pryor and, and that as an anchor on the defensive line. I mean, these guys played – the last game they played was against Carson Newman. And Bowie State didn't lose that game because of defense. Uh, they scored 17 points, and they don't see an option-based offense very frequently. And I mean, that just tells you how, how skilled the Bowie state coaches are. And there's no, dis- no disrespect to, to Delaware state or any of the, any of the other guys, but these guys managed to, to squeeze and, and make lemonades out of not a lot of lemon and, and certainly not a lot of sugar. And they find a way to make it work. And so I, I do think that Bowie's a, a slight favorite here. I, I think they, the question becomes, you know, Bowie State really struggled in the red zone. 
that they don't have the rushing game that can kind of pound you in in the red zone in the 20s and, and, and less. That's where they struggle. And, and so if they can find a way to to maybe they need to incorporate a fullback or something, maybe they need to find a way to to, to incorporate some big sets um, that I think are in the red zone. Um, they're they're a very dangerous team, not just for Delaware State, but for uh, much of D two, I think. Um, conference games, and one of the things that I found interesting when I looked at, you know, who everyone's playing, uh, really a lot of the schools are playing other Division two schools. I mean, really, with the, with the exception of. Uh, like Johnson C. Smith and Livingstone, who are playing a, a couple of HBCUs and, and Elizabeth City State. Everybody else has at least two or three Division II schools on the roster. It can. Is that a push, maybe, for the CIAA to kind of strengthen itself in the region? What's your take on that? So um, it's important to note when it comes to like the playoffs uh, that, you know, you're trying to schedule in region games and in region means that the CIAA school is going to play either another HBCU um, like the SIAC or some other HBCU that's division two or um, the Gulf South conference or the South Atlantic conference. Um, or a, a school that's in a in a state that's nearby, like bordering the state that you're in. So, like for Maryland, you know, or or uh, Virginia, um, going to the Mountain East, for example. None of the, a lot of these games that these these teams are scheduled are beyond those boundaries, which means that they don't count. Uh, they don't have as much weight in terms of regional standings, but they do carry some weight for overall and strength strength of schedule. The, the, the one thing that maybe um, a lot of viewers may not understand is that, you know, nobody wants to play a Bowie State uh, or Virginia State, which has those games, unless they travel to them. And they don't always want to have a home-and-home game. They may have a one-off game. If you think about, like, Bowie State was going to travel to Texas A&M Commerce, which I was looking forward to that because that, that's where I'm at graduate school. Uh, and I was going to be really, really excited, you know, to for them to, to take on that game and go all the way to Texas to do it um, before the pandemic happened. Yeah. But but but, you know, that was a one time deal. So, you know, for for um, for them to get a, a Great Lakes team in Saginaw Valley to do a home and home and get the home game first yeah. is is a big deal to me. Um, I think the Ohio Dominican Virginia State game. I don't know if that's a one-off game or if that's a home-and-home. Home. Probably it's going to be a one-off game with some sort of guarantee. Um, but uh, that's an out-of-region game uh, for Virginia State. But it's a game that I love to see as a D2 person. I think it's a good measuring stick um, to, 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 to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that these games, New Haven and, and Bowie State have history. Um, I, I love that game as well. Uh, Winston State and USC Pembroke, that's a, that's a rivalry. Uh, and Catawba, that's a rivalry. Um, and uh, and some of these other, you know, especially playing the South Atlantic, those are easy games for the CIAA South to get to. They're either in-state or continuous state anyway. Um, so, so you know, it, you know, the South has 
a lot of um, benefit of distance and being able to travel to these games and get somebody kind of close by. Uh, the, the North doesn't have that luxury. And on top of that, you know, that just that's tantamount to how strong those teams are and how consistent they are as you don't get a lot of schools that want to play them. And even playing a, a, a um, Super Region 2 school is not easy. But, um, you know, the, the Virginia Union, like Virginia Union and that uh, also state, that's an in-region game. That's going to be really interesting. They got a home, probably home and home, and they're traveling to, to, to Richmond first. Uh, and Lenore Ryan the same way. They they went to Richmond uh, a year or two ago. Now they're going to Petersburg right down the road in, in the front end of what probably is a home and home. So I think it's really good to see that these schools are willing to play in region games and actually take on some of the higher higher level schools and higher level CIAA schools and know that it is going to be a dog fight. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's take a look at some of these games coming up here on Thursday. Uh, we've got Shaw traveling to Wingate on Thursday, 6 p.m. Wingate, Massey. Massey thinks Wingate is about a 16 and a half points better than Shaw. You like Shaw. What What do we know about Wingate and, and uh, what's your thoughts there? Uh, Wingate is a team that typically has um, – they're typically balanced offense. Um, they typically have a really good rusher in this – this this um, uh, this year they do have one and, and as running back Peoples he was um, very productive in that running back spot and continues that tradition. Um, they like to surprise you with a speedy wide receiver as well uh, or two, and, and their defense is is a pretty stout defense. I mean, Winkate is a generally a, a top level um, um, South Atlantic team. They have been to the playoffs. In very recent memory, I think within the last two years, they have been to the playoffs and don't really let up very seasoned coaching staff. Um, a little context, a little history uh, is that Wingate and Fayetteville State have played and, and, and numerous times over the last uh, several years. And um, I think the closest that Fayetteville State has gotten to them uh, it's to, to, to win, even in a home-and-home arrangement, has been 10 points. Um, so... You know, I think Wingate will be the favorite uh, in this game. It doesn't mean that that Shaw certainly won't won't um, have some uh, something for him, but I, I think that uh, uh, they'll they'll run out of gas against a, a Wingate. Yeah, and you mentioned that Wingate does or Fayetteville State does play Wingate. They travel there uh, in week two uh, of the season, so they they you know that's on their schedule after Fayetteville plays um, Elizabeth City to open the season. Uh, Shawan goes to Mars Hill on Thursday. Mars Hill, uh, Massey thinks uh, Mars Hill is about a 10.5-point favorite over Shawan. Uh, we do know Bryce Witt is back for Shawan. We knew uh, – now, you sent out an interesting tweet about Shawan and uh, uh, is it Desha- this Deshaun Stevenson, right? Wethington. Wethington, Wethington. I don't know where I get Stevenson from, but Wethington. Yeah. Uh, what now? What's the story? It's basketball, Brian. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wethington. I had the first name right. I had the first name right. I should have stopped there. What What do we know about him on the roster at uh, Shawan? Because you were asking that question via Twitter. 
Yeah, so I actually play um, fantasy football for Division Two on the Division Two dot com, uh, Division Two Football dot com website. Um, and uh, when we were doing the draft, it was like there was a notice, noticeable omission on the returning roster. It was, it was Wellington. I'm like, where's Wellington at? I looked at the roster again. I don't see him on there. So you know, I kind of wondered, you know, if, if maybe somebody had some some information that. You know, it's kind of like a milk carton. Where's Wellington? And you got information, send me a the DM. Uh, I'm kind of interested to know myself. I don't know if I need to drop him off a fantasy football team or not, but I drafted him like last. It was my very last player I drafted. And uh, I mean, look, make no mistake, Wellington was a really big part of, of Showan's like resurgence on offense. I mean, Bryce Witt, he, he's incredible. I mean, he's going to probably end up with like, the second or third most offense in in CIW history, I think, uh, unless he has like this monster year to take over uh, Amir Hall, which is you know kind of walks on hollow ground. But um, you know, Bryce Witt has had such a productive career, and he started as a true freshman, and 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 the, and the guy just, I mean, he he does a little bit of everything. He can run, he can he can throw, uh, he can bulldoze and truck people. Um, but the problem is, is that um, Chawan got hit really hard with transfers. He had a lot of transfers out of the program, and now they got to restart with a lot of freshmen and and redshirt freshmen. And so it's kind of it's really really hard to get a read on Chawan at this point. And and Marcel had the benefit of playing spring ball. Not that they, I mean, they played against a Tusculum team that was that was loaded, um, and, and now those guys are kind of gone now, but. Um, they played against them and, and Limestone, and uh, Limestone was a, a bit of a shootout. They, these guys, you know, they can they can um, against some of the lower teams. They can run up the, the at least offense, and they don't they don't defend particularly well. But um, it it, it Wan doesn't either. So they're like carbon copies of each other. Right. And, and I think in, in that situation, I think Marcel has the edge um, only because. They have had a few more reps with some replacement um, players uh, from the 2019 season. Well, newsflash, Chris, I, I was just checking. He is not still on the roster. He is not on the roster as of right now. So anyone out there listening, if you know where Deshaun Wethington is, and we pray, you know, nothing serious has happened. But, I mean, you know, we're, we're looking. Where is Deshaun Wethington at? You know, uh, somebody send us a note. Send uh, you know, let us know at my BCSN one or at D two K Ferg is where you can hit Chris up on Twitter. Let us know, you know, uh, because man, he was, he was special. He was fun to watch. He put up some outstanding numbers. Um, all right, Chris, before we got to get ready to head out of this segment, but I thought before we go, give us a prediction. Who's in the CIAA championship game. I, I think that prediction probably is going to be Bowie state and Shaw. And I know that, uh, I know that if I I totally miss on the CIAA South champ, uh, 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 selection, that Richard Hayes is gonna probably let me know one way or the other. Either I'll see him at the championship game and he'll tell me the end, or he might even send me a DM or something. <laughs> so, so I think that it really does come down to Fable State reloading, and, and they certainly have the the, the guys to do it, um, at least in the running game for sure. Um, and they do have a stout defense. A lot of a lot of good players coming back on 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 defense. Um, um, so uh, you know, I, I do think that that they're going to get a real challenge from Shaw. Uh, Winston State is a huge question mark, uh, but I, I think Shaw is going to get over that hump this year. I really do. 
so right. yeah, that's that. Those are my picks. Those are my picks. All right, we heard it there first. A Shaw versus Bowie State. It's good to see a little bit different. You know, be a little different sauce in the championship mix and see what happens. So, uh, hey, make sure to go to d2football.com. Check out all of Chris's work. Uh, he's back. They putting him back to work because we got football. And then uh, note, there's no better follow on Saturdays than at D2KFerg, especially in that Saturday afternoon slot from like 12 to 4. Just put uh, put Chris on uh, what you can you can tie it to your text message. So that way, every time he sends a tweet, he gives great tweets and updates about the CIAA football during that. Uh, because thankfully, all those games are in the afternoon. So that's kind of the, one of the nice things about uh, CIAA football. They're all in the afternoon. So uh, we appreciate you, Chris. And we love uh, we will definitely have you back on and uh, talk about games during the course of the uh, season. All right. Always a pleasure. All right, man. Be safe. We're coming back with a short break, and then we're going to send it over to the pregame show at the top of the hour. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. Be back in just a short moment. It's been difficult because I hadn't been able to see my grandchildren. An expression on someone's face when you do something nice for them. I miss all my friends in school. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccine. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Durley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash LBC tickets. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network. On social media, at MyBCSN1, the number one. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at MyBCSN1. It's like a loot machine. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, we want to give a special shout-out and thanks to our guest today, uh, Charles Bishop, uh, Charles Edmond, and Chris Ferguson. Uh, Drew, any any interesting comments over the last hour or two? I know we haven't been able to get to them, but... Shout-out to uh, Carlos Brown watching us uh, as he prepares for the storm in uh, Baton Rouge. He says, SU has three of the four SWAC victories for what it's worth. We've been talking about those uh, out-of-conference uh, victories for the uh, SWAC. 
Will sincere is in the building since FMU is in the house. Uh, happened met Will outside the game yes yesterday and talked to him outside the stadium for about uh for about ten minutes. Uh, appreciate you, Will. You Make sure to see- share the network with people, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, we appreciate the support. Will Q Dog says Everett Waters University M four nineteen seventy four says keep up the good work. Hashtag AAMU. All right. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, I, I don't look, I, I'm still trying to find a backstory on Edward Waters, the greatest troll job that you'll ever see happen when Edward Waters scored their touchdown to take the lead with 16 seconds. And then they dropped a video that said FMU, what is it? FMU, we got time today. They dropped a video, a literally a video at the at, right after they scored to take the lead is called we got time today i don't know the backstory i so i'm still researching we, and trying to find out we, we've got to get in touch with joshua jackson have him come on and explain that i sent him a text i mean he was just so euphoric and happy i know he didn't hit me back but yeah I, i'm telling you what that all i know is edward waters went nuts and i i kind of looked over my shoulder at florida memorial fans and they just had this look like Oh man, no, they didn't. And, 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 and we're not talking about a 15 second video, Brian. It was a two minute. They, song. As a matter of fact, they had to stop it, do the next play, and then they, <laughs> they picked it back up. It was so long. Yes. Yes. And Dr. And Dr. A. Zachary Faison had a role. I mean, he was spitting bars in it. The president, hey, look, when the president of your university is spitting bars in a song, after they don't call him millennial prayers for nothing. Hey, look, he just dropped. Look, I don't know what the rest of you presidents are doing out there. Hip hop prayers and all the other press. Hey, look, he he he's. We might have to come up with a new award of uh, HBCU Sports President of the of the Year because right now he's in the lead. He's in the lead. He's doing. He just he. You know what? He just surpassed our uh, our president over at Virginia State, uh, who was doing the uh, the viral videos and taking students on one on one um uh yeah so wow that was awesome okay drew so let's pick up the show and get out of here brian yeah look we're gonna be back uh you're gonna see another episode of the uh sports wrap thursday afternoon it'll be our preview our week one preview show and we'll kind of break down the game break down the lines uh some of the interesting analysis and tidbits to get you ready for a big day of college football big day for hbcu football hbcu football is back and we are proud and happy to be there along with so many others in this space to be able to tell you about it and share the experience so you make sure you like and subscribe not only us but subscribe to those other networks and media outlets as well let them know you appreciate the content because nobody's going to tell our story like us and uh, we, the algorithm gods, they need to know that you're out there paying attention. So make sure to like, share, and subscribe to everything you see. Final thoughts, Drew? Uh, week zero, exciting. There was only three games, though. Wait till we get a full slate next weekend. I, I, I am I, I, I'm, I'm going to be overwhelmed. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Overwhelmed. Be, be, be safe down there in New Orleans. Uh, Baton Rouge, Southern Louisiana, Southern Mississippi, you know, Alabama, Florida, that 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 whole region. Yep. Uh, make sure you stay stay logged on here on the Black College Sports Network because coming up next, 
is the pregame show as they get you ready for uh, Coach Prime, the documentary series that will be on BarstoolSports.com, of course, covering uh, Jackson State head coach uh, Deion Sanders. So for all of our guests and, of course, for A.D. Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching and listening. God bless. Be safe and uh, take care of each other. Mask up when you can. I holla. But you're my beast, they are hard.